as entrepreneurs, we know we should form very powerful partnerships. Problem is we're so busy doing it, doing it, that we don't know how to do it. Well, I'll tell you, I've got an entrepreneur here who's been in, I'm looking down at my notes, accounting. He's been in marketing. He's been in financial planning, more my industry, consulting, law, and now dental. And he's really going to demonstrate business is business, but how important partnerships are in bringing together hugely successful businesses. Stay tuned to join Emmett Scott as we take off on AESNation.com. I'm John Bowen, and we'll be right back. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com Emmett Scott, I am so excited to have you here. You and I have spent a lot of time together at Mastermind Groups where we're sitting, we're brainstorming on practices, so I know a little bit about your business and You've created some amazing, uh, really magic, I'll call it, it's part of the name of the company, but I'll call <laughs> it magic in the dental industry, taking all the lessons that you've learned from other industries and brought it together to grow uh, a, a practice now, seven practices, serving 80,000 professionals. I mean, I want everybody, because I want to give a little framing before I bring on Emmett, you know, but the, the big thing that blew me away when I was just asking some factoids to introduce him, in the last 24 months, uh, 20 employees to 250. That's explosive growth. So we're here to show the power of partnering. And Emmett, um, first of all, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. It's, uh, it's a real honor to be on. Well, Emmett, you know, one of the things that uh, I normally joke that, you know, we didn't start out to be entrepreneurs. We didn't start out to be in the industry we're in. Well, you haven't stayed in an industry that long. You've been all <laughs> over the place. Uh, you know, the market's been giving you different directions. But maybe, you know, before we dive into all the power of partnering and, you know, what you've been able to accomplish and some of the lessons that you've learned that you want to share with our fellow entrepreneurs, let's dive into your background. You know, how, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, you know, weirdly, I started off in... Um, I actually got a, a scholarship to be in electrical engineering. And uh, luckily I took a, a break from college for two years to serve a mission. And, and I knew uh, one thing when I came back, I was not doing electrical engineering. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I thought someday I'm gonna be in some business. Accounting is supposed to be the language of business. So I'll do accounting. That was probably, you know, frying pan to the fire as far as uh, jumping into a very detailed field. And um, started down, you know, that path of accounting. Did one uh, uh, tax season preparing taxes, and uh, that was enough. Uh, and I'm going to stop you for a second. I did one tax season too. So you and I, I knew we had a lot in common, but <laughs> there's something. The market does tell us things, and and my partners told me, yeah, you shouldn't do tax returns. So where did you go from there? Well, you know, one thing that I think hit me, maybe my entrepreneur senses were up, but but a takeaway I had from preparing those taxes was this accountant had 2,300 bosses, right? Mm -hmm. And there was something really interesting to me there in that he had to be fired 2,300 times. And I thought, you know what, that's a really cool idea. Now he also had 2,300 people he needed to take care of. 
Um, but I thought maybe I'd like something like that. And probably the point uh, where it really, um, you know, I had that decision point was after I graduated, I had two choices to make as far as careers. One was to go into financial planning, uh, which was the risky commission-based choice. And the other one was the surefire one, which was to be hired by Arthur Anderson. And uh, as you know, you know, a couple of years later, that company was gone. And it was like uh, the world kind of told me, hey, there's always risk. Um, so you can either choose to be in control of it or you can kind of hand it over to somebody else and hope it plays out well. Well, let, let me just stop there because life intrudes for all of us. And, you know, really, you know, when you think you're taking the safe road, um, and I, I think that, you know, most of us as entrepreneurs now have had enough of the kind of experience you had early on. I mean, you got it really early on. But big companies, you know, are not, uh, my wife grew up and worked at IBM uh, for pretty much her whole professional career. And, you know, the promise was you do your job, you'll know, continue to work and, you know, uh, grow with us in the business. And she did. And it was a great experience. But those don't ha those aren't around anymore. And, you know, yeah. this is where, you know, the opportunity to build a business ourselves. So, you know, okay, you're, you've now had the, the crisis of the moment. Arthur Anderson, one of the big eight, is just gone. I mean, it's just gone. You know, one of the safest companies, most respected up until that point. Where'd you go from there? So, you know, luckily I had chose the financial planning route and um, started building up uh, the business. And I thought to myself, you know, I really should partner with an accountant, which you hear oftentimes in financial planning. But as I saw people trying to do it, it just seemed like they would go into an accounting firm, say, hey, we should partner, send me some clients. And I and it just never worked, you know. And so having done that one semester uh, as an intern and, you know, having some experience speaking their language, I went in back to that accounting firm and said, hey, what if we built a financial planning practice? He said, sure, that sounds great, which I knew meant he was going to do nothing. And uh, I moved my family from Vegas to Houston, where this firm was, lived off of uh, credit cards uh, for about six months, lived in an apartment. We had just bought a house, which we redid, and uh, and then we moved from it. Uh, I, that should have been the track where I knew I was an entrepreneur as soon as I started doing <laughs> stuff like that. And worked really hard to just study this guy's clients and saying, okay, what's the value offering that I can really bring? And in two years, we were doing as much revenue on the financial planning side as he was doing in his 20-year tax firm. And we really had hit on something and the partnership was working. Yeah, let me stop you there because I, I do teach, you know, I'm, I coach my primary business, as you know, is coaching top financial advisors. And, and I am a big believer in partnering. I mean, that's why you and I are hanging out in mastermind groups. That's why we're you know, doing these kind of things together and helping each other be more successful. And we want to share with our virtual mastermind. But I just, uh, uh, you, there was something that was very subtle that you did that was different, that most people try to partner financial advisor with a accounting firm and they do it by, hey, just give me some of your clients, I'll take good care of them. And when you're partnering with somebody, they, they can't tell the difference between you and other, and let's use the example financial advisors, they have no basis to know whether it's good or not. And it's not in their enlightened self-interest. By turning it around, 
where all of a sudden you were going to help them build a business that they were going to create value with their clients, serve their clients well, and create value. You know, by delivering value to the marketplace, we have more value. I mean, it takes off. And this is, we see this over and over again in partnering. And I mean, that, that's a great classic example. So you did that, you started having success, you're in Houston. I know you're not in Houston anymore and you're in a different industry. So what happened? Yeah, so then um, my son had some health issues that the humidity was really bad. So we ended up selling that uh, practice to the accounting firm, moved to Las Vegas, and I partnered with an estate planning firm, started from scratch again. Uh, this time I knew that I wanted to be more around the fee-based. I wanted more intimacy with my clients. So I was doing some self-discovery too about who I wanted to be. Um, used the same principles, studied what the estate planning uh, clients really needed. And it just happened that I started working with a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, fee-based planning is about complexity and solving for complexity. Um, and I started making a transition too is I was less about them putting money into their 401k and started saying, you know what's best for them? They need to build out their executive team. They need to grow this business. So I started consulting them down that path. And before I knew it, I kind of had a business consulting firm more than a financial planning firm. Uh, we ended up selling the financial planning firm and I got something for that. But then those who bought it said, we don't know what to do with these clients you have. So they gave them all back to me. Um, I started a, a formal business coaching firm called Entrepreneur Advisors. And then I'd, I'd had a goal back in Houston to someday have my own radio show. So I, I launched my radio show there in Vegas called The Entrepreneur Life. And uh, thus became my eclectic move from being an accountant to, you know, now having my own uh, radio show. Um, and that put me in a ton of different industries. I was in law firms and marketing firms and and uh, construction drywall companies, all trying to help them and partner with them and figuring out what their real issues were. Before we go on to the dental side, uh, Emmett, I didn't know you had your radio show and all this stuff. Uh, we hadn't talked about this part. Um, what were some of the commonalities that you were seeing that you could help your clients now that you're consulting across industry? You know, we started uh, in the introduction, I mentioned business is business. And you and I both have been in a number of businesses. We've had the opportunity to help an awful lot of entrepreneurs. From your perspective, what was one of the things, you know, if there were one kind of big driver that you were able to help them with, what was it? Well, they almost universally successful uh, entrepreneurs tend to be technicians in something special. So, you know, they were the drywall guy who would just went after it, did more than everyone else, had some sales skills, and all of a sudden they had a company. If it was an attorney, same thing. They just, you know, better sales skills, better empathy. So you saw that again and again. These were great people within their niche. But then when you started to get into things like understanding what a CFO would do for them or a COO on the operational side or HR, um, some of those, you know, real business fundamental things, they hadn't had any schooling in that. They really had no passion in that. And so that was starting to become the, the roadblock that was keeping them, you know, that ceiling of complexity that was keeping them from going from, let's say, a million to $3 million business to a 12 or $100 million business. And it was just that simple thing. How do I build out my executive team? 
make it less about a hub and spoke system, me as the entrepreneur in the middle, and more about a strategic team. And that was the little tweak um, that I would start sharing with them. And you know, typically what they'd say is, Emmett, it can't happen in my business. It's too unique. What we're doing is so customized and the experience I bring to my clients, no one else can do. So, you know, you're not going to be able to systemize and automate my business. And then we just start the download process and they start seeing their brilliance down on paper. They'd start saying, oh, well, maybe this could be improved and maybe this could be passed on. And and then we get the ball rolling. I don't know if you ever read, I mean, one of my favorite books is The E-Myth. I was talking with Michael Gerber last week and you know what you're talking about, he talks about the technicians that we, you know, we're industry specialists that we come in and we're really good at what we're doing, but we never signed up to be entrepreneurs and that jump and you can build, you know, five, $10 million business being a great technician, maybe up to 20 million in some industries, but to have the big breakthrough success you got to have the right people on the bus to compliment you. And, and that, uh, I agree, that's one of the biggest missing elements. Well, we're getting pickier too, because we want to have this great business, but we want work-life balance as well, right? I mean, a lot of people want to be able to spend time with their wife and children. They want to travel. So we're in a, we're in a world where we want it all. And I think it's absolutely possible but it's, it requires partnerships and a different kind of thinking to get that balance. Well, you're, so you're moving from kind of consulting to the, in the radio show, all of a sudden now I, I know you of, uh, you know, running a, a pretty sizable operation in the dental industry. We haven't even brought that up. How, how did you make that transition? So uh, a friend of mine from the age of two, actually, we grew up as neighbors to each other, we've been best friends. He was out in Dallas, Texas. He's a dentist. And he calls me and I have my radio show that says, hey, let us help you automate your business. So being uh, the, the friend that he is, he says, hey, dude, I want you to automate my business. And so we start brainstorming. Now, this is a guy that has seven children. He loves kids. Dennis hate working on kids, right? He wants to do something unique and special. And so it starts off on, you know, I start reviewing kind of what the competitors are doing in the space. And I walk into these dental offices and it's white walls, coffee table, you know, and mom trying to keep kids quiet and so forth. High stress level for them. And we start brainstorming saying, we could do this totally different. I mean, we've been to Chuck E. Cheese a thousand times. We grew up in Las Vegas. We know what casino experience looks like and we know what uh, Disney's like. Why isn't that being brought into this space, which has kind of been a strength of mine is just grabbing from different industries and saying, okay, this industry got really good at this. What would happen if you took that and brought it into this industry and everyone goes, wait, wait, can you do that here? And, and then the answer is always, of course you can. It's just no one ever thought that way, you know. Uh, we actually thought when I saw dentistry, I said, this looks a lot like alarm service and pest control, right? It's a, it's a regular um, annuity stream kind of business, just pure business perspective. Uh, so why wouldn't you have salespeople, right? Wouldn't you have, why wouldn't you have people out at supermarkets talking to people? Um, why wouldn't you have them holding events uh, at apartment complexes and other things and really increase awareness around oral health? But also, why wouldn't you use CRM and drive leads? And I mean, you can imagine dentists would be like, what? 
<laughs> what are you doing yeah. to our industry here? But that's kind of how I thought about it and, uh, and how we started putting it together. So between experience and then CRM, we really created something no, that's, unique. It is amazing. And this is, you know, business is business. And sometimes, I mean, I think dental, um, I, I have my, you know, the dentist I go to, and I mean, it's a pretty standard. I mean, I love the guy. He's a great guy. He's very talented, takes good care of me, but it's, it's the white wall, the whole thing. And yep. you know, I don't think of it as entertainment by any means. Uh, and it's not like Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, I'm in Silicon Valley, Nolan Bushnell. I can still remember going to the first one. And I'm not sure, I don't have kids. So I, there's no reason to go to a Chuck E. Cheese without kids. You have to rent them if you don't right, have right. kids. <laughs> I mean, but it is, it's an experience that kids love. And, you know, and this is where, you know, one of the big things, uh, Emma, and I, I think you're talking about is, boy, what an opportunity when we, when we really think through, you know, looking across other industries, what they're doing, and take some of our stuff that's really kind of a commoditized, you know, I mean, the dental industry has been commoditized. Uh, you know, financial services, largely the industry I'm in, has been commoditized. It's, you know, it's not, you know, the brand, it's the experience is the brand. And, you know, delivering a great experience just makes such a difference. I mean, I well, look at the growth. let me kind of talk you through, like, yeah, go what ahead. our experience looks like. Because, I mean, this is, one, I'm really proud of it, too. It's crazy. It's insane. But um, we have three different themes, uh, an underwater theme, a safari theme, and then a castle theme. If you walk into the underwater theme, it's like a Disneyland ride. So to walk me through. So I'm, I'm coming to... You know, with and, and it's for children that you're, what, what's primarily. the age group that you're targeting primarily? Well, zero to 100, okay. but, um, <laughs> yeah, um, right. you know, it's, it's kind of the McDonald's model. Get the kids in there. Then mom says, well, the truth is I'm scared to death. But 90% are kids 18 and, and younger, and then about 10% are adults. Okay, and I'm, I'm guessing most kids aren't yelling, screaming that I going to the dentist is on their list of to-do items that they want to do. But so they're coming into this underwater, they're coming to the office, they open up the door and what happens? Yeah. So the first thing that they'll see at the beach theme is there's seagulls hanging from the ceiling. They look to the right and there's a movie theater that's inside of a boat. There's a play gym that's a sand castle. And when they look over at the lobby area where they check in, it says Charlie's Surf Shack. Because uh, it's all around uh, Charlie the Chipmunk, this big mascot that we have. The kids are called back as prince or princess. So they're part of a story that's happening. And when they walk into the x-ray room, it says, once upon a time, there was a chipmunk named Charlie. So each room is a different page in the storybook. And as they accomplish, you know, get their x-ray, they get gold coins for accomplishing that level. And they do their exam. They get gold coins for accomplishing that level. And, uh, and then after they get their treatment, we have a, a crowning ceremony. Bring them into a, a room and we say, for your bravery and dentistry, we now crown you king or queen of Smile Magic. And everyone cheers, you know, and they get crowned a Smile Magic uh, crown. And they get a sticker that says Amazing Kid of Smile Magic. And then we learn that mom was stressing out. So we give mom a sticker that says, Amazing Mom of Smile Magic. Good job bringing your kids in here. They get a balloon, and then we say, now, do you have any money? And they're like, oh, yeah, I do, because I got all these gold coins. So we send them over to the treasure tower. So they end up walking out with these treasures and the balloon and the sticker and this crown. 
And what's crazy is I'll occasionally um, see kids and I'll have my Smile Magic shirt on or whatever. And the kids will say, uh, hey, mom, when do I get to go back to the dentist? And I, I had one at the at a, at a shopping center and she goes, you're not supposed to want to go to the dentist, you know. And so we really switched the paradigm of what going to the dentist uh, looks like. And it was challenging. Like when I first looked at it, I thought, man, this is the industry that has all the bad idi idioms, you know, it's like pulling teeth. It's like a root canal, you know, that all comes from dentistry. So we really had to do something di different to create. Let's go over this because well, I want everybody in your mind as you're listening to this or you're on an audio podcast or if you're watching this on the video, um, what I want you to do is think of your own businesses, but it's not, you know, somebody like Emmett being real creative and coming up with it because there's a lot of stakeholders. I mean, you know, you've got the dentist, all the staff, teammates, and so on. You've got the clients, uh, you've got investors, you know, the, the stakeholders, all this. You know, to build this kind of stuff, um, there's a little selling of the vision. I mean, coming up with, maybe we take it even a step further, coming up with the vision. I mean, you're, you're, you're a financial guy in the beginning, okay? This is, you know, creating another Disneyland is, you know, Walt didn't do that well initially, you know, selling the vision. And then, you know, he just plowed ahead. Give us a little, you know, uh, uh, your fellow entrepreneurs were all going, huh, this, you know, no matter whether you're virtual, you've got, you know, storefront. I mean, there's so many different ways to bring the experience up and differentiate yourself. But give us a little of the process that you used. Yeah. So, you know, it was getting everybody in the room. Again, it's the partnership thing and saying, are we really committed to doing something different? Because, you know, you start off saying, hey, I really want to do something different. And then it kind of gets watered down to, well, we do good customer service. Right. right. So we really <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to differentiate ourselves by doing good by our clients. I mean, that's <laughs> right. a that's a big value proposition. And we just looked at like every pain point within the industry. So it had this huge marketing problem and these NDMs, but there were other subtle things. So like you have dentists who get really egotistical and they have codependent staff and then your culture blows up on you. So we knew that if we created all this really cool Disneyland and then really what was happening on the backstage was bad. So we had to think through that. And so the way we solved for it was we said, at, at Smile Magic, we're going to have it that the staff can fire the dentists at any time, right? So it's really well, I can see the staff liking that. The dentists are kind of going, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So it started to filter out, interest, you know, the dentist where they said, no, I'm good with that, right? Well, that's going to mean you're getting a humble dentist who likes kids, who likes the experience, and isn't scared to take that risk on. And so now you have this backstage process that supports the front stage. But... You know, early on, we just started brainstorming on that. And it's amazing when you kind of set your mind that you're really dedicated to do something like that. You definitely have blocks around along the way. But you also have people who get excited about it and they built it way bigger. I mean, I didn't sit down and say, Charlie, Chip, Monk, we're going to have this, this, this and this. I said, OK, here's what we're seeing. Let's start putting. And then the designer said, well, this should be a story. Right. And then that really took it to the next level and the next level, the next level. So your team really starts to accelerate it when you're dedicated and committed that you want to have. I, I think one of the key things it sounds like you did, and this is what I try to do is, I mean, our job is really to inspire people. You know, it doesn't mean you have to have the finished vision because 
no one has everything can do all this, but you, you get your team around you, get them, you know, engaged and that they want to make it special. And I, I love the, you know, the culture way that you did, uh, you know, the, the team, the staff, you know, gets to decide whether, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down on the dentist. And, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty empowering because, you know, letting the team build the organization, particularly going from 20 to 250 employees, I mean, you can't, you know, do it, you know, the senior team, I don't care how big the senior team is, can't do it all on their own to scale up like that. No, no, you can't. I'll just give you one other thing that we did was that I think was huge help. We came up with nine uh, pillars of our values and we said, how are we going to help the team really be excited about these? So one of the things we wanted was like gratitude in the office. Well, all of us say that we want an office that has a lot of gratitude, right? Put your money where your mouth is. So we said, listen, everybody um, write on a post-it note something you're grateful for about someone else during the week. On the front, you write, you know, John really helped me with getting the sedation done. Then I write my name on the back. In the lobby, they put all these uh, up or in the lounge area. At the end of the week, we pull them all down. We read them off in the practices, a few of them, and then we do a drawing. So they get, we call it food for thought because it started off everything centers around food for me off the <laughs> um, And so when they drew them out, the person who gave the compliment and the person who got the compliment both get a $25 gift card to some food place, right? And that um, is something we started early on. And four years later, they do it, you know, religiously every week. And uh, it really creates the right culture. I mean, you're thinking about, you know, gratitude all the time. So. Uh, rituals are so important in every business because, you know, that, that's really where, you know, doing it once, you know, making it a big prize, that doesn't do it. It's, you know, that kind of reinforcing it, but it's, it's really, and what I love is you did both sides of the gratitude too, not just the, the one person. And uh, no, that's a great Two ways to win. Yeah. Two ways to win. And, you know, all week you're thinking about, who should you, you know, really uh, recognize and appreciate? And, uh, you know, and, and it's having that positive part of business is so great. You know, when you look at your business now, what are some of the gating things to growing it from where you are today? I mean, you're, you've gone ahead and you, you've you know, created this with the team, the vision. You know, you've been executing against it. You've been able to, you know, bring in the team members, the right dentists, and so on. What's, you know, what's keeping you, you know, wh you know, what are those, what's the biggest challenge you have going forward? Yeah, I think what I'm most excited about, um, honestly, is we created all of this byproduct, right? I mean, we have a call center, a billing center. Um, the industry uh, software what is well, it still is just terrible. You can't run an AR report out of dental software because it's not meant to be a as big as it is. Mm -hmm. So these are the, a couple of the things that we ended up creating. And um, when we looked out at the market, we said, you know what, dentists have basically two choices right now. They can either kind of grind it out on their own or there, there is big corporate uh, dental that they can sell to. And we said, well, what if we gave all of our backstage stuff to dentists? You know, what if we said, hey, if you want what we have, uh, we'll, we'll let you have it. And so I wrote a little ebook uh, called The Two Minds of a Dentist because you don't want to go out and say, Dennis, you're really dumb. You need our help. Uh, it's 
uh, it was better to say, listen, there's there's two parts you're managing here, and it's actually really complex, mm-hmm. right? One is all this clinical stuff, and the other is this business. And they take this little test, and it kind of helps them figure out where they're at, and then uh, from there, how best to partner with us. So it kind of circles back around to that partnering concept, but now I want to do it on a much bigger scale and bring all this backstage stuff um, to you know the the industry as a whole and let them start scaling. So if you have a dentist who maybe he's at that three practices and filling the pain, or he has one and he really wants to be at five, um, you know, start giving that out uh, to the industry, I think is our next step. No, that's great. I mean, and it, you know, and this is one of the things that, um, you know, you and I've talked about many times is the market giving us feedback and you can test these ideas. And, you know, once you've gone ahead and you've really, you know, you've, you've got an experience that's working really well and, you know, Emmett, you're a master at marketing, you know, scaling it up now too, and, you know, getting to 80,000 patients. Well, you know, it's, it's not that a technician is, in any industry is dumb. They're actually extremely talented in their specialty. But all the business side, you know, the, the getting it systematic, the uh, experience, also getting that steady stream of clients coming to you. I mean, that's where the magic happens as an entrepreneur. And that's, you know, bringing it out. That, that's great. Let, let me go to the next uh, segment I want to hit you up on. This is um, what would be your fellow entrepreneurs? What would be the book that you would recommend to them? Yeah, so not surprisingly, by the title after everything I said, but um, the Experience Economy, which is an older book, uh, but just really well done around. You know, experiences can't be commoditized because uh, they're just so unique. And so if you want to kind of go past all the different parts of business, if you want to get out of the commoditized world and be a place where your competitors, you know, just are going to struggle to compete is just go straight to experience because uh, it's going to bring out your best thinking. It's going to bring out something to the market that's completely unique and very difficult to commoditize. And we can all think about some of our best places that have experiences. Of course, Disneyland's always used. But one of the values around experiences is you think about it before you go and you think about it after you go. And so people um, you know, talk about it later. They feel value from it later. So anyway, I think the book does a good job yeah. of, of laying the case. It's one of my, I'm gonna put it up again, Emmett. It's one of my favorite books and uh, Joseph Pine, I'm really impressed with his work. And this is not limited to you know children dentists or Disneyland. I mean, we've all stayed, probably most of you've stayed at a, a high-end hotel, Four Seasons or Ritz-Carlton, that type of thing. Uh, you've uh, gone to events that you look forward to because they make them really outstanding events. And, and you know, you have hopefully some vendors, some partners you're working with that do this too. And it's, and it's, it's just really amazing uh, the difference when you, st- you know, because almost everything in today's world can be commoditized. But if you start thinking about the experience, particularly over the first you know, 90, 100 days, what it's going to be like and mapping that out, so valuable. Let's go to the next one. And this is the application of the day. Emma, what are you thinking on your, your smartphone, the uh, application you'd recommend to your fellow entrepreneurs? 
Yeah, I'm going to stay with the experience concept. And I just, I love Uber. You know, I think that the way they thought through a very simple concept um, is, you know, truly taking the world by storm. And it's a good example. It's not just a great app to use, uh, which I, I love using it. But I think it, it sets an example of, you know, how, do, how can we simplify our business, provide more transparency, like the ability to see where the car is and coming to you. I mean, people want that real-time information, you know. They want that relationship. And, of course, you know, software programs like Salesforce, Entreport, Infusionsoft, all of these are, are doing things to help automate the experience, to, you know, create better transparency, more information. So I, I think there's things we can learn from Uber and then try to figure out, so how do we do better transparency, easier use within our own business. Uh, that's great. And let me go to the last segment here. And this is resources. And I, I want to bring up your websites and just real quickly kind of have a comment. The very first one is communitydentalpartners.com. Um, this is kind of your, your, your parent, I mean, the main company here. Tell me yeah. what it is there. Yeah, so um, you know, dentists can go there. They can download the ebook, take the test. They can also just kind of see what our culture is about, as far as supporting them and building out their practice dreams, and how we think about protecting their unique experience that they're trying to bring to patients, and how we can be the backstage. You no, know, and for I, their I love play. thinking about front stage, backstage when we're talking about the experience. It's so powerful. I go to next your next website I have for mysmilemagic.com. I mean, I just you know, I, I smile <laughs> even as I say that. Emma, what do we what do we have here? Yeah. So if you want to see the practice, you can click on the media link. Um, I think there's connections to some of the pictures, and uh, you know, maybe it can be just inspiring on different ways that you can think outside the box, even when it's a dental practice. So. Well, I also want to point out, I found when I was getting prepared for our call, you also have a YouTube channel and you've got some videos there of, uh, you know, the, the uh, Grand Tour. And uh, so they can yeah. get a look at, you know, you were painting the picture, but they can go ahead and actually look at it, you know, type thing. Yeah, absolutely. And again, hopefully that just provides some inspiration on kind of thinking through their customer experience and are there little things that they could put together you know that would make it kind of a step up because if you look at individually it's pretty simple ideas but when you pull them all together create something pretty amazing so okay let me share with you what i got out of this and the key takeaways i'm looking at my notes and I'll tell you one thing. I, I keep on getting reminded over and over again, the business is business, but we should look outside our industry to actually see how it's being done. Because so often we get, we think we have this unique business that nobody else has and so on. There's so many lessons to learn. I mean, that's why we have AESNation.com is to do that. And Emmett, you've done a phenomenal job. Second is that, we really want to understand partners 
and you gave the example of the accounting side and you've done you know, with dentistry, you want to be a great technician, you want to serve your clients well. You know, one of the biggest challenges is marketing. You didn't sign up, you know, at the, I don't know in dental school whether they do much teaching of that. My guess is no. not much at all, you know, the entrepreneurship of being a dentist. And so to find the right partners who that aligns with, that they can have this great practice, have fun doing it, have a great, you know, enrolled team around them to serve their clients well, and you take care of the backstage part, I mean, that's, that's big. And then I really love, you know, the, you know, I love Uber. I mean, I, I, I almost, I'm getting back to liking traveling just so I can hit the Uber button type <laughs> thing. But, you know, I love experiences. I love great experiences. Most people do. And, and the experience economy, you know, read that. I mean, it's a great book to get you thinking. Look around you and, and, and boy, incorporate it into your practice. I mean, Emmett, I, I want to thank you again. You really brought you know, it's easy to go, it's a dental practice, that's not very exciting. Well, you've made it very exciting, very successful, you're making a difference, and not only, you know, with the 80,000 patients you have the privilege of serving, but now even expanding and making it available to other dentists so that they can have their backstage as well, really sing. So, uh, a job well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks again for having me on the show. It's great to Great to share and, and be a part of AES Nation. Well, I appreciate it. And for everyone that's watching or listening to us, you know, none of this is valuable unless you go out and execute. Remember, you can go to AESNation.com and uh, we'll have all the show notes, transcriptions, and whatever uh, podcast gets the most downloads that week, we're going to feature in a column that we're just getting at the uh, Huffington Post in the business section. So, I mean, there's a lot of good things. But the key is execution. We want you to take these key takeaways and incorporate it in your practice. Your clients, your future clients, all those future partners they are counting on you, don't let them down. Wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.